Hello all, welcome back to The Balcony. Today is the 21st of July. This is Harry here and I'm joined today eventually by... Alan. Hi everyone. <laughs> Alan, or just Al. Now, I'll just so everyone knows me, this is like my third or fourth time trying to record this and this is why I waited for Al because anybody who knows me, I over-prepare I over for everything. I think it's a nice yin and yang though because I massively underprepare. I like to I like to go on the fly. In other words, you don't prepare for anything. Um, yes. But I but I over prepare, and it's the same in work. And when I'm in court, I mean, I'm always I'm usually the most prepared person there. Well, you have to be when you're a dependent. <laughs> no, well, I'm not. I, I mean, I may. I meant you up in court. Oh, in yeah. joke. Was that a joke? For, First uh, joke for, in land. Yeah, for anyone who missed that, goes. that was a joke. Oh, sorry, crickets. I put some crickets sound in there. So that'd be good. Can we get some sound effects in there? <laughs> so basically, I was thinking about it in the last couple of days. I was thinking, well, why am I even doing this? And I was thinking of the name catch and release. And I was thinking of I've heard some fishermen and stuff say that catch and release, for example, in relation to fish in lakes and stuff. I've heard that it's harder to catch the fish the second time because they've they've learned from it. They've got better. And I was thinking why I was doing this. And doing this whole podcast series and part of it, I suppose, after the last 12 months, I'm giving up drink and, and trying to improve myself eventually at the age of 46, is that I have this thing when I'm around people of, I have a speech thing where I, I find it very uncomfortable at times. And I think this is something I want to learn. So I threw away my notes. So I have no notes in front of me bar a couple of little things written down, whereas the other times I literally had everything written out. So then I was thinking about the whole catch and release within the show itself. And you'll see where this tree, there's the whole thing Sally is learning. And I, and I thought we'd be talking more so about Christine. But then the more I watched the show over the last few days, it was the Sally story that was popping out because she was learning. That obviously Donnie Crane himself, that's a bit of a catch and release because now he has to go on not realizing that he's not actually Danny's father. And then obviously the big one, the catch and release in relation to Alan and Christine, he has to let her go. So that was that was my thinking of the catch and release and why I'm back with no notes. So do you want to anything you want to add to that? I mean, you actually just got me thinking about I hadn't really thought about it. Um, the title, the catch and release title, because it kind of relates to the three storylines, right? You've got this. You've got the salmon catch and release. You've obviously got, as you said, robbery case, the, the Rob's wallet. Sally, the guy is the guy is the, the, the guy is up in court over it. Obviously, is very is seems to be clearly guilty, but finds a way to they they caught him for the crime, but he gets released. Um, so I guess that's that runs through that thing kind of runs through the, the entire episode. But yeah, I think it was it's one of my favorite early episodes actually because you start you you do obviously we'll get into it, but you do start to see like for example uh, there's a bit at the beginning right with with Alan Shore and Sally Heap where they she he, he's like you know do you trust me. And she's like, yeah. And he says, well, that's all it is. If you can fake sincerity and get the jury to believe it, you're all set. So you you kind of, you get those that early indicator of, of Alan Shore in terms of actually both sides of what he is willing um, and what he's not willing to do. So I, I thought it was quite a good fleshing out of the characters for an early episode. Well, Mary, you and I, we've said before, Caddy's a great writer. And I, I think he's beyond great. You know, if you can somehow relate to a character that when you look at them, you don't you don't physically see yourself, but you can relate in some way to them or to their struggle or, or whatever. 
mate, that's great writing. And I think what I love about this show and why I think this is my favourite show is that through all five seasons, the main characters, including Alan and Denny, but obviously the rest, I can I can still sort of relate, not directly, but I can find something in there that I can, you know, I can relate to and I can feel something for them. And what, what I thought about also while I've been watching this is the whole rabbit from the hat thing. And what I loved in the first, first scene of this is that we get to see Alan's, you know, Alan's opinion of trial when it says it's the trust. That's what trial law is all about, getting them to trust you. Whereas Denny's thing is, as he says in the first episode, I think, where he says, um, trial law, like life, you know, it's the rabbit yeah. from the hat. But you get to see the differences there. And obviously we get to see that as, you know, Alan, is there's more to him. And it's a good point. We get to see the two sides of Alan, or at least two of the many sides of Alan in this episode. The other thing I loved in the first episode was the first two lines, actually. Because what's said in the first two lines it kind of reverberated with the end of Christine's closing. So Christine finishes her closing with, let's just treat them like adults. And we see here the, the start, of, I suppose, of the catch and release of Sally, or at least the release part anyway, where Sally asks him, why are you not helping me? And Alan goes, well, hold on, I have a trial of my own beginning tomorrow, a rather big one. So that's that's adult talk. He's not treating her like a child. He's treating her like an adult and saying, look, you got to sort this out yourself. I mean, I like that start. Of it. I thought we were going to be talking about Christine, but it was Sally's story that kept popping up and she was drowning all the way. And then she pulls it out with a great finish. And in fact, that case, my favourite part, I was, thinking, I was trying to think this morning what my favourite part of, of the episode was, it was when, he, when the defendant took out the wallet. What film did you think of when he did that? I didn't. What, what do you think? What are you thinking of? Ah, oh, come on. Now, Al, I mean, I'm very disappointed you. That bit in 12 Angry Men where Henry Fonda takes out the knife when they're saying no one would have a knife like that. You know, that's what they were. And, it, and Henry Fonda then just takes the knife out of his pocket and ch- chucks it into the table. Do you remember oh, that yeah. bit? Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the bit. Because that's what made this, this that, that whole case is about. It's about prejudging. Reasonable doubt is what I thought it was about, but it's not. It's about prejudging and the idea, because you said it, oh, he's guilty. We all thought he was guilty at the start. The first time we meet him, Sally is giving him, is telling him to take the deal. And he's like, no, 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 I'm just, no, no, I'm innocent. And and as it goes on, we, we still think he's guilty. What I loved about it was that there was there was two rabbits taken out of out of two hats, one by your one, the witness whose wallet was taken, and him himself. That had nothing to do with the two lawyers, which I, I thought there was something in that, and that neither of them were prepared. They took this as that he from the start, both of them took it that he was guilty. And we know that's yeah. an issue. I know nothing about American law. I haven't been in court cases ever over there, obviously, I know, but it does seem to be a case that assumptions are made at the start. And I love that yeah. because, and I love this case because we're like the jury, right? Because we don't know whether he did it or not. And we still don't know. At the start, you thought he was guilty? Did you think he was guilty or did you have reasonable doubt at the end? Or were you still going, nah, he went out and bought that one? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking, to be honest, it was, I, when I watched that, I was thinking, did he go online to search? <laughs> I mean, this was 2004, you know, still the internet. 
did he? Or I thought he was guilty as hell. I, I to be honest, even at yeah. the end. But it, it's true. It was that thing. It was it's that reasonable doubt that you can't you can't be sure. I mean, I imagine. It, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it. I, I think it was quite a clever. It was two clever quick twists in that one where she had the photos and wasn't it? And he had the uh, he had the wallet. Yeah, but neither. But no one knew about. Like neither of their oh. representatives knew about. Like I said, that was the bit because everyone just assumed he was guilty. And here's the thing: you don't know. Yeah. And I and that's the question that I think this episode. That's the big question I think this episode was thrown out to us was. Come here, when where's that point where you make a decision on reasonable doubt? Because we do it all the time. Like we have to do it. You know, we have to make assumptions on people all the time. But if you're gonna try, you know, if you turn around and say, look, I, I try not to judge too quickly, or I try and you know figure someone out before I judge them. But we it's human nature, we have to, we have to figure out if someone's a risk to us or not, and obviously vice versa. I mean, we're so yeah, and obviously we're so. We're, I think he had previous, right? He had previous convictions, so you're kind of thinking, well, really, is this a case of how you know? Yeah, people will yeah. judge, right? Think, well, you've, you've you've robbed before, you must be guilty this time. And it's the easiest thing to do is to look and go, well, that's because I know this from my own court cases. I know it's only motor accidents and stuff like that, but there's a lot of my so-called colleagues. They jump to an assumption and they say, well, this is what probably happened. Now, I might discuss that on the phone with someone, with a, with a client, but I won't put it in writing because I can't stand over that. I can only go, yeah. I can only look at, here's the, here's the facts, here's the data, here's the information I have, and here's what I think based on that. I don't jump to conclusions. That's my job as a, as a so-called independent witness or independent expert. Sorry. So we don't know, was he guilty or was he not guilty? And what happens a lot of the time is people err on the side of what probably happened. And there's no fucking yeah. proof. Like there's no proof in, in most cases, and in most cases that I'm, I've been involved in over 20 years, like there's no video proof. There's barely any video proof, the odd time. And even that can be, can be misleading. So you're, no matter what, you're making a judgment based on the evidence. And I think nowadays, especially with, you know, with social media and everything we're seeing, everyone is just jumping to the conclusion that suits their narrative, suits how they feel, I should say. That's, it's wrong to say yeah. narrative for everybody, but just how they feel. Um, I think what we need to be doing, and the problem is, see, it's hard. We need to be jumping, or sorry, not jumping in. We need to be working through stuff. We need to be figuring out what the questions are. And then again, that's the great thing about this case that we don't know because they, there was no questions really asked. There was nothing like that. There were so many questions that could have been asked. But we weren't given any evidence. And then you make an assumption. I would have found him not guilty based on the evidence. Would you have given him the chair? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I, 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 probably, I probably would have sent him down. I, I just, it's too much of a coincidence also i mean i don't i mean obviously it's a tv show but you would think that if something like that came up in evidence they you would then behind the scenes if you're the prosecution say well we need to try and find out where they sell these wallets locally and see if what was sold recently or if he bought it online we can trace it to his address but obviously it's tv land and it was the early days of of the internet oh. years so he probably did go to a shop and buy it or it was his, and it ge- and he genuinely did that. 
Like, I'm, well, so, he, I'm sorry. He did, he did run after her, didn't he? And he said he was running after her to give her the wallet back. Yeah, but didn't she say that she had already run away and he was running back? And before he could get back, that's when he was, which was pretty quick to be arrested. Yeah. <laughs> so, but well, I, so that's, I, what I'm, yeah. that's what I'm saying. There's all these questions. And I know from doing, when, I, when I'm investigating um, an accident or, or a case claim, sorry, there's a million questions. And it's trying to find out what that question is. What, what are the right questions? Which is the same in any trial. Yeah. The case It's finding that right question. And we weren't given any of that, that that information. So we had to make a judgment on very limited. And you had to. Come here, she said, what, 32 minutes or something. But before we move on, because what she said was, okay, uh, the logical version, I suppose, is that my client stole that wallet. The less believable but quite possibly true account is that he mistook it for his own. Nobody, not one of us, can be sure it didn't happen exactly the way Ramon Valesquez said it did. That's reasonable doubt. I mean, you can't argue with that, can you? No, 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 you, no, you can't. And she closed strongly. I mean, yeah, you can't. If I was being picky, I think I don't know. If you were in the jury, would you have believed her story? Oh no, I heard it's a the bit story of an urban before. one, urban legend one, though. She's making a point, and that's the story. If you're sitting in the jury and you've never heard that story before, you're thinking that's that's her story. That's her that's her job. Right? Yeah, you're probably thinking. But she's telling a parable to make a point. Yeah, she has a point, and I think that's why the onus is on the prosecution because they have to prove their case. And whether we like it or not, we have a or you yeah. should have a system. Because here's the thing: I'll tell you later who it was, but I know someone who was on the jury for a murder trial. Her exact words were to me. Years later, I knew he was guilty as soon as he walked out. And I remember going, sorry? Yeah. So I wonder, I've been summoned twice to jury duty. I haven't, once I ignored it because I didn't get the letter until months later. But if you get called up for jury selection for it, surely you could just say, I mean, if, the, if, the, if you want to get out of it, can't you just say like, well, I mean, if they're in, if they're up <laughs> in court, then they're clearly guilty, and then the defense is going to go, "Fuck that!" No, because you have to give your honest. You know what I mean? I'm not, you know, if you asked if you wanted to get out of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're allowed, or, or maybe I don't know. Just say, listen, I think if, if somebody's up in court for something like this, they're probably guilty. If it's something simple, I think I it might be harder to get out of. But if it's something serious, I think it might be easier. If you know what I mean. And again, the other thing is, I don't know, like. Well, I suppose it does, really. Can uh, the defence, the prosecution, do get to meet the jurors and ask questions? Yeah, I presume that's real. I would say so. Yeah, and they're not just pick. Yeah, that is real. Like yeah, it's a flawed yeah. system. Yeah. I'm not going to start referencing any cases of the last couple of years across the water, but it is a flawed system, and it's I mean, it's the best system anyone's come up with. But I don't know many people I would want on a jury for me if I was up for something I didn't do. Do you know many people? <laughs> no, but I mean, I had an issue a few months back that um, I wasn't aware of for yeah, you tell me. eight months or whatever. And it, it could have gone to court. But but in order for me to prove I was in the right, I had to do all the investigation. I had to go to the company and say, listen, I called you on this date at this time and this date and this time. And, th and oh, well, we're not going to listen to it. There's no need to listen to it. I was like, you better listen to it because this is the conversation that happened. 
I had to force their hand. And in the end, they were like, yeah, we're really sorry. It was completely our fault. And I imagine that happens a lot in court. Like, I mean, again, my only other experience of court personally was for a speeding fine, like back in 2000. And actually, probably around the time this episode aired. And I didn't think it was it was me that was it was wasn't clear for me that it was me driving the car. Anyway, it's a long story. So I went in with all my stuff, documents, and there was about six people ahead of me on similar things. And anyone who even tried to talk to the judge and dispute their their speeding ticket or whatever, he doubled or trebled based on how much of an asshole he thought they were. So by the time I got up there, he was like, oh, I see you've got some documents. Are you arguing? I was like, nope. That's that's a check. I just want to that's pay a check, it. judge. <laughs> but I understand the right courts are overcrowded and, you know, but I, I, I would like, I don't know, I just, I don't think court systems run in the interest of people. I mean, you look at, again, this is way off topic, but like the, the low conviction rates for rape and stuff is like, there's a lot, there's a, there's a lot that the, the court system and the police, the kind of law and order, pardon the pun, really needs an overhaul. But you see, here's the problem. Like, in, in the case that, that you were talking about happened to you, and I see that with, with insurance claims and, and with non-insurance claims, that the onus is on usually on the person who's not making the accusation, when actually in law, it's, it's actually the other way around for someone. Well, here it is anyway. But for some reason, it's not. So in your case, you had a big financial institute accusing you of something. And if you didn't fight your corner, you were screwed. Yeah. But it would have it would have killed what happens here in, in, in cases I'm involved in in court. The onus is all on the bigger company, whether that's a garage, whether that's a bank, whether that's an insurance company. So and they and the banks and the insurance companies. And I don't like insurance companies, even though I've worked for one and I've done work for them for years up to lately. Like they're, they're, they're coming from, a, like you were, they're coming from a point of weakness that the onus, you're claiming off me, you're claiming I have to give you something, and yet I have to prove that you're wrong. So when you look at that, and in prosecute, so in criminal, when it's prosecution, sometimes it's 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 right, because in the problem with, as you, you mentioned, rape cases, and, and there's other types of cases that are very, very hard to prove. And you have to decide do yeah. we send more innocent people to jail just so we can catch more of the guilty? Because that seems to be what's happening in some parts of Western society in relation to certain accusations. Okay. Or do you, or do you set the bar correctly high that if you have to prove something, well, here's how you're going to have to prove it. Now, I think what we need to be doing in relation to that bar we need to be educating people to say, look, if this happens to you, here's what you need. Like I'm in the motor industry as well, maybe. And I'm telling people, if you don't have a paper trail for your car, for everything to do with us, you're kind of, you know, you need that evidence. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just your word. So like if you're, if I'm accused of something, I need that bar to be high because I didn't do it. And you've come to me and we, and we know yeah. And we know this happens. I'm sorry, we we know you and I have discussed the, the hashtag me too. We've discussed the, the BLM thing and the racist mm. thing where people these are things that are getting thrown out willy-nilly, and the real perpetrators of it are getting getting away. But that's not for today. That's another discussion. Sorry about that. I mean, yeah, I mean 
So that bar should be high, and I think that's reasonable doubt. And we will be discussing that in probably nearly every case <laughs> and every episode along the way. So, I mean, let's move on to just quickly. My favourite line uh, was once again Denny Crane when he's talking about sleeping with Glenn Close. I just, I pissed myself laughing again. He, <laughs> well, he's my favourite character. And just, just the way he said, yeah, I meant to sleep with her. And all I got was this, this idea of him, like with a to-do list, you know, bring out the bin, sleep at Glenn Close, get food for the cat. You know, it's, and he just came across. And I went, yeah, yeah. a part of me was kind of looking at it going, he probably did, he probably did have it like that and had a chance because, hey, as he says, it's his city and he's Denny Crane. Yeah, I, I my line was um, Denny Crane again, but it was when he was talking uh, to Paul uh, about his, uh, his son in inverted commas. He was like, I was a good father. He's like, when did you last see him? I think he was about 12. <laughs> I just thought, that's a really good, that's a Denny line. Or Alan Shore's line. I may want you, but I don't need you. Yes. <laughs> to Laurie. Laurie. I was trying to think. Just very quickly on the, the Laurie. I mean, I said in the last episode that I recorded that Sally doesn't belong either in the company or with Alan uh, long term. Funnily enough, I was thinking about during the week and I was kind of thinking, actually, maybe Sally might have belonged there, I think, later on, as, you know, later on in the series, as the company changed a little bit and became a little bit softer, let's say, or less misogynist anyway. But what I liked about this episode, we got to see a side of Laurie, which we also saw in the first episode, where Laurie is a bit like Brad. She, Laurie's a good girl. She's a good person. But she also knows the business that she's in when she tells Alan to, to make it emotional and uh, make it personal to Christine. Yeah. I don't think Sally doesn't have that in her. Sally's too nice, but she learns a lot. So she's going to learn a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think Laurie has a, has a, a ruthless, a kind of ruthless streak in terms of in the court, in, in court, she, she has that streak of, look, this, we've got to do this. You've got to go for the juggler. If you need to go for the juggler kind of thing, you know, Juggler, I should say, rather than juggler. There was no juggler in the no juggler in this episode. There are clowns in future episodes, but no, no jugglers. I was trying to think. Yes, yeah, so she actually says that Alan, look, if you can't do what's best for your for your client, but as we know, look, when it goes to court, it's finding the truth or doing what's right. Sometimes it happens, but that's not what that's not what court's about. It's about winning. These early episodes are interesting for the lack of um, powerful closing speeches from Alan Shaw. Which comes obviously comes into the show more as it goes on. It's the key. It's actually a key component. Eventually, it's a key component, I think, to a lot of the episodes. So Christine's closing was the one, was the final one, which is part of her arc, going yeah. from the mental hospital to to you know again the catch and release thing to be to you know as she says she will be she will be better she will be good, and it was her closing. And I think he gave well the writers gave that up because you're right, Alan's. Alan's closings is one of the things that we watch the show for. They're brilliant. But we kind of had three closings. We were a bit kind of, we gave us three little closings, I think, in this episode. And they were all good. And yeah, I, Christine's closing, I thought, and even when she was up crossing, it was very good in the writing of Christine in that when she, when she gets up out of the chair, that's when, if you want to say, talk about her mental health and her stress, that's where her, that's her sweet spot. That's where she's comfortable. She talks later on about her cocoon. At the end, she talks about her cocoon. And in her cocoon was the 
the hospital in Allen, and then she's losing both, so she goes a bit cray-cray, let's say, as, as we all would. And she's just getting through that and learning from that. But when she's up... You wouldn't get away with you wouldn't get away with that storyline now. Or oh, they say, well, maybe I don't know. Maybe you could, but it, it just seems very I love but I just what I like about Boston Ligula because it is it's wonderfully retro in certain aspects. Whereas only 10 years ago, it didn't see it, it all of a sudden it seems like a long time ago. I don't know if you feel that way. Certainly the early series, but it's still I mean it's excellent. And I love the fact that it's like completely irreverent and and sometimes sometimes little sexist but not they're kind of it, it, I mean certainly with, with Denny Crane he's the clown he's almost a Benny Hill chasing the secretary around it's that kind of thing so you're 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 well of course I know a lot of people who would say well that's not the, that sexual harassment and I said well yeah but he's 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 the buffoonish character a lot of the time yeah but I think what what I like about the show even though it was what 17 years ago when it first came out 2004 that it's it's not like man, too, I I think too many television shows, um, especially the last couple of years, are too realistic. They're trying to be too real and too gritty just for the sake of it. And you and you, yeah, exactly. Too clever as well. Like, yeah. he's, you know, he's a detective, but he's really the murderer. And it's like, just give me fucking, just give me Columbo. Like, just give me a simple enough. I don't know. Like every month or so. There's an evening where I just sit down and watch old TV shows. And it's not because I'm harking back to what I think is a better era. I just like the simplicity of a Rockford Files or, you know, a Boston Legal where, you know, it's, it's good. It's a beginning, middle and end each week. You don't really get much of that anymore. When you think about that, those episodic kind of shows where, or maybe I just don't watch them. But, you know, you, you get where there's, there's a thread running through all of it, like a mystery to be solved or... That episodic type of TV show is dying out. Like Stranger Things, but you know, a show like Stranger Things, there's a very definite theme all the way through that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, each those shows where each week something is wrapped up and never spoken about again. You know, like <laughs> um, and I agree with that to a certain point, in that that storyline at the front of the show every year, that that's the main storyline. And what keeps us coming back for more is, is sometimes the arc of the storyline of the characters but it's in the background so it's this ongoing arc at the back but it's not important we turn up every week or every episode to see the main story and i think shows today which i'm going to sound stupid because i think what they've done what alan what kelly has done with boston legal is he has shoved a lot into every episode but the writing is so good that you don't see it it doesn't look like it's pushed in it's just so well layered i think shows today they're trying to do these things. And yeah. the fact is, these people, they're not good enough. Whether it's the writers aren't good enough, whether it's the, the, the producers and the producing companies, and they're just not good enough. There are obviously exceptions, but generally, the majority of today's television, I don't find, stands up to what came before. I, I'm, I'm now watching Bones. Now, I like Bones, funnily enough. The judge in this is in Bones, and she's brilliant. Bones is great because it's like that. You, It's a singular episode. Find a body, got to find what happened. And there's this arc in the backstory of going on. Now and again, they pop into that into that storyline, but generally, but we're there, we're there to find out the killer. Yeah. You mentioned Columbo earlier. I hadn't thought about Columbo. I wonder, and we'll talk about this at a, at a much later date. We'll, we'll do a Columbo episode, right? 
I wonder if all the stories that Columbo told us about his wife and everything else are all bullshit. <laughs> because I'm starting to watch it a little bit differently and going, he's he's just telling them sort of like like Sally with the rabbit, have them in, in, in your hands and then suddenly bang. So I don't yeah. I don't even know if Columbo was married and all the stories are tales. <laughs> Now you, you you do know yeah you do know the hole in that theory though don't you? I don't that he is married. I don't know if it was only a pilot, but there was a Mrs. Colombo that was made. No, they made a few episodes of her. Remember correctly? Yeah, but maybe that's not that's and it didn't work because she's not she was only pretending she was only pretending to be I, I Mrs. Colombo to get the job. I don't know. I yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't. I, I think he, the stories he tells are not real. It's a narrative to try and put them off and then ask the question, put them off, put them at ease, they relax, and then bang, there's the yeah. question. About the and that's what Sally does. That's what Alan says. And, and you've got to question some of the stuff Alan says as well in general. But then that's the same with everybody, isn't it? And again, we're back to the reasonable doubt. To, you know, how do we figure out whether someone's telling the truth and so on and so forth? Absolutely. I, again, as I said at the start, I think this is one of the best early episodes um, to flesh out who these characters who these characters are. I think it, show, it shows the two sides of Denny Crane. It shows the two sides of Alan Shore. It shows two sides of Laurie. It shows the, the professional and the slightly bimbo-esque of Sally Heat. So I think it's an interesting early episode to show you that these people are more than just one-dimensional characters. All right, so come here, because you went on the last episode. What was your overall thoughts of Christine and, the, and her her healing, her recovery. I like, I like the story arc of that. It could, it could have, it could have gone down the route of a, of a, as Denny said, a Glenn Close fatal attraction thing, but they didn't. It went, it, it, it kind of, I think it, 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 it veered into a nice ending, a nice kind of story arc for her in terms of recovery, and the fact that it looks like you know she's she's going to be okay, she's going to be fine, and when she actually explains. The reason why she went a bit nuts when she came out and the cocoon where, you know, it was it was the institution she was in and he was writing to her and he was going to see her, even though she did try to kill him, that naturally she would try and cling to those things for comfort when she gets out. And I thought it was really good because and it certainly with Boston Neal, they could have gone. As you find out with episodes later on, they could have gone the other, the easy route where she just ends up being the crazy bitch. And, you know, he narrowly escapes fucking death or whatever. But I thought at the very end, when she was leaving her and they kissed, I just I thought to myself, I'm sure you're such a toxic fucker. You could see he was almost like, I miss her already. <laughs> um, Sometimes I wonder whether I see it's too much in it. But what I liked about that kiss at the end was, was, was that she walked away. So he stayed and she walked. And I just felt that was again back to the catch and release and her getting better. Just that whole, that whole thing. I mean, I think it's I think it's amazing writing over the two episodes because you're right. They could have gone stupid. They could have gone funny. And the storyline between the two episodes. And I think we have to remember this is when episodes came out a week apart. So you would have had a, people would have had a week to talk about it and think about it. That how she was shot in the first episode was was to look like a stalker, was to look cray cray you know, was to come across like that. When in reality, yeah. she wasn't. She was struggling. She was trying to work it out. And I said in 
again, I don't think it's the right line, but as Jack Nicholson and Batman says, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. Some eggs. So that's what she's kind of doing. She's, and that's what we're all doing when we're struggling and we're trying to figure shit out in life. And we can all look crazy from the outside. And especially as everyone is so fucking opinionated and everyone is so perfect that we all look nuts. And we do. Again, back to the reasonable doubt, when you don't have all the information. And I thought Amir was brilliantly performed, brilliantly written. Yeah, I, Amir, I can't think of another two episodes or even one episode of any TV show that was done as well as that, where they showed that that progression. You know, and Amir, I don't know if you, Amir, I've met people that have gone through, I wouldn't say similar, not a mental home or anything, but who have gone through struggles. And Amir, when you and I, we have our thing, things. And they've said, I'm going to be okay. And most of the time, they're not. Yeah. And I don't believe them. But in this case, you could see here's a woman who was figuring it out. And I just wonder, and I think I might have said this in the last podcast, if you think about what happened in the last episode, she was in the home, uh, the mental hospital, she was on the drugs. And when she came out, she was supposed to go to her parents to Chicago. If she had done either of those two things, I would question whether she would have got better. She wouldn't have got better, obviously, with the first one staying on the drugs and stuff. So she had to go against everything. She had to figure it out herself. Yeah. You know, and that's what we all should be fucking doing. It's just trying to figure shit out and realize that we're all figuring it out. And again, beautifully shot. And again, I think it's one that's... Like, I can't understand how Boston Legal isn't on TV. It's not on Netflix. It's not on any of those. It should be. I mean, it's it's in the States it is, and you, elsewhere it's not, but it's like... I don't know because like, you know you know you know the yeah. whole thing that it's got to reach a hundred episodes for syndication, which it did. It's a hundred, yeah. So you got it. That's the general. I mean, I, I guess that's all changing now, but it, it used to be a hundred. Is it kind of guarantees you syndication and reruns and yeah, all that. Which is why, like, you don't see Studio Sixty on TV really anywhere other than the odd time on Channel Four because there was only the one series. Yeah, and the last season five, I believe, was just. He was writing just to get the syndication, to just because it's 102 episodes, was just to get over that mark, which I think is fair enough. I hate nothing more than when a show keeps going on and on and on. I think they got it right. No, I mean Boston Eagle was definitely they did like it was. There were some there were some dodgy episodes in season five, yeah. I think, but like it, it was definitely getting to the end of its run. I think, although if you've seen William Shatner lately, he could have gone on for another ten years as Danny Crane. I mean, he looks amazing. There was a picture of him. Fucking with the sharks, and I'm going. You're ninety. Well, he's ninety years of age, and he's just done a, a romantic comedy. Did you see he's done a, a thing with it? I, I haven't read into it just yet. There's people giving him shit. I've just been watching his replies, basically, on themselves with her for a Russian TV show or channel or something. They paid for it. He's doing a thing for Shark Week. Let him. You know, the man's amazing. Oh, I mean, I think I love. I've recommended to you to listen to his audiobook of his biography that he reads himself. It's brilliant. And I think he's underrated as an actor. Like, come here, look, he's not a, he's not a Marlon Brando, we know this, but I still think he's underrated. I think he's a lot better than people give him credit for. He's very good. He's, yeah, he's an amazing character. Yeah. He sees himself as a true, I think he sees himself as a true artist who puts himself out there. So some of the stuff that he's doing tongue-in-cheek, he is doing tongue-in-cheek and he's aware of it. Some of it is just his idea of art. He's, he's a fascinating individual. There's a really good podcast with him with, on Mike Tyson, Hot Boxing. He does a really good um, one with Mike. He's done some interviews, some really good interviews recently, actually, as well, uh, where, you know, he kind of opens up about things. And I imagine he can probably be a bit of an asshole. He's egocentric, whatever. 
but he's just such a great individual. You can't argue with it. Yeah, we're all you know? someone's asshole. Yeah, true. <laughs> so, come here. We are on about 40 minutes here. So, come here. I just want to finish off, talk about the balcony scene, which is mainly about the end of, it's the end of Donnie's, uh, Donnie Crane's uh, Freddie Prince Jr., who I, I think he only pops up once more in the show. He does, um, yeah. And he's an actor I really like. I wish he'd done more. Obviously, he's, cho- he's chosen he does, not to. He, he, at that age, around that period, he did that kind of adult but wide-eyed innocence really well. Yeah. And apparently, an absolute gent in real life. He's married to your one from Sabrina. This is John Hart. They're uh, married. But they, they, no, they she's, not, she's, she's Buffy. Is it Buffy he's married yeah. to? Yeah. Um, right. Sarah didn't Michelle they step Gallo. out of the limelight to, yeah. to raise their kids? Yeah. Just seem like really decent people, grounded people. Yeah. And he's good. Come here, he's a good actor. He's great in this. Yeah. You know, the bit where he's going, Donnie Crane, and, and Shatner's going, Denny Crane. It's scary. Donnie Crane. Love yeah, that thing. I need to Donnie get that. Crane. I need to get that clip made and put it as my ringtone because I have to change my ringtone. <laughs> and, I, and again, come here, like, like I said about this show and the, the whole the balcony scenes in Boston Legal, I think it's the balcony of truth nearly where there's always a very, it's, it's, there's a lot of honesty. I think it's the center of the honesty in the shows. Um, and we get to see that again here where Denny is eventually honest about Donnie because he's asked loads of times and he tells the truth. And I thought it was really well played and really nice. And I just wondered at the end when, when Donnie is saying goodbye, because at the end, because he calls him dad through the whole show, but at the end he calls him sir. And I just wonder if that, I don't know, again, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I just kind of felt like that Denny was a little bit saddened by that, but was happy that he's still going to use the name. But yeah, just that bit where he called him sore, I kind of, that's what I felt anyway when I, when I was watching it. Maybe it's just that little bit of regret, maybe, that he wasn't his son. But here's the thing, it got me thinking. And here's the, maybe the last, the last thing I want to ask you. So, do you that idea? Come How can I word it? That I so D- Denny was his, was his father, but wasn't his father up until he was twelve, and then he left. Yeah, but Donny kept thinking that Denny was his father, and he says he 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 used that to become who he who he is. And obviously, Denny, as he says, like, what what else would you want? Give you money? It was even better than being around. Which, if we're going to be very honest about some parents, that is the reality of it. Sometimes. Some parents are just better off not being there. I, I, I do yeah. think a small percentage. And, I, and I'm just wondering whether, and again, it's fictional television. And I was just wondering whether you think that actually Denny did do the right thing. That actually maybe the best thing for Donny, because he obviously looking at the character in that little bit we got to see, if he was a real person, you'd go, that's a really good person. Yeah. Who's, and he's been brought up well. Do you think Denny... Actually, what Denny did was the right thing to do, was to disappear out of his life when he was 12. Yeah. Because he's I mean, Denny's Denny. But also, he's not his dad. So He's not his blood dad. He's not his dad. No, but he didn't know the kid really before. She came to him like 10 years afterwards and said that... Was it 10 father. years after? They found out that... Yeah, yeah. Then they found out he wasn't. And he said, I like the kid, so I paid for his education. So, yeah. Hundred percent. I think. I think. I think it's. If there, you've an you've an option to either. He's not going to be with the woman. Yeah. To not be in the kid's life or not be in the kid's life to pay for the education. Oh yeah, no, no. I was just. I was just thinking. Even even not even not even from his point of view, but for the for the child's point of view, I was just wondering 
because he still didn't know who his father was and his father, his mother didn't want to tell him the truth because he loved the idea that Denny Crane was his father. And as Denny says, who wouldn't? You know, and there's something in that, the, 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 you know, that whole like, and I wonder. Yeah. It goes back to what I was saying, that the early kind of, that early indication of both sides yeah. of some of the main characters of, of who Denny is. Um, that actually there is a, there's a really good, there's a lot that he talks about that really is bluster. There's a lot that he talks about that isn't. And things that he does that, aren't, but he's but I, at, at heart he's a very he's a good good man. Yeah, I think he tries to be a good man, and it's not the thing about that's the thing about the show and, a, and about Kelly's writing is that the majority of the characters or the main characters in his shows they're not all good, but they do seem to be people who are trying to be good, you know. And, and there's obviously this conflict within yeah within the situations in the life that we all have and. And, and then that's, that's what I love about the show because it does reflect that of, of people, again, just trying to figure shit out. I, th- I think he does that much better later on, later on in the series. Um, as you said, he's still trying to find his feet here because I think that's what we're saying. The bal- like the balcony scene, I think he yeah. said, the idea of the balcony scene, that wasn't intentional. That was just something that came and popped up after from writing a few episodes and then after doing them, I went, hold on a second, we have something here. You know, I think, I think, I don't know if he said, but yeah, he had Alan's closings is always an idea or some of these big closings in every episode, which is unique enough. I can't think of any other episodes like that series like that. But like I said, that balcony scene is, well, that's why we're called Scotch in the Balcony. Just that idea of the end of a day, you know, sitting down with, with the person you love, which is what these, these two guys do. Those chairs, by the way, I looked them up. Those chairs they have are 400 quid each. They don't look comfortable. I think I think it's a softish fabric, not a fabric, but it's softish, kind of something maybe stronger than leather. I I don't know my <laughs> furnishings very well, but it seems like it's actually reasonably comfortable because they're quite deep. So I imagine them as very comfortable patio furniture. I mean, I gotta be honest, man. When I buy my place next year, if I get a place with a garden, I'll be really tempted to put my pocket buy two of those. Won't quite be facing the Boston skyline. If you get but... something with a garden, okay, you could build a wall as if that's the edge of the balcony <laughs> and raise yeah. it up a little bit. And there's your, yeah. you know, it's there. It's not that hard. I think you I saw a picture. Know. Someone in America has um, did something similar, you know, out their back garden. And I just went, oh, I want that. But sadly, I live in a home where I'm not in charge. That's what my wife's for. She's in charge of all that. Just. <laughs> that's, is what it is, and it suits me. So, a- anything else on? On I mean, I think I've, I've covered all the points that I had in my head. Is there anything else in the in the season that popped up? And is no, there any episode that popped up for you? Yeah, there was there was one or two things. It looks at my notes. I'm just doing it without my notes, which works. It's worked today. I felt it's worked, as I said. So, I think that's it now for the for the Boston episode. You can come back, everybody, for the the one for the road that we're going to do. Um, which is just us. I don't know what we're talking about yet. It's non-Boston legal. It'll be there. So, yeah, just want to say a big thank you to everybody for their time and uh, and listening to us. Uh, it's very appreciated. Um, you can Our details are there for our email and on Facebook and Twitter, so on um, and so forth. Please get in contact. Give us your thoughts. Thank you very much. Cheers, everybody. See you next time out. And I promise we are working on that closing music, aren't we? We need to get something. Bow, 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 b
Yeah. All right, everybody. It's good talking to you. See you all very soon. Cheers.